Welcome back to the B-Hall Army Wrestling Radio Show. I'm Jordan Tom, followed Brian Rowan. We got a special guest on tonight, part of the Army Wrestling uh, coaching staff. He was a state champ in high school. He was a JUCO national champ, two-time NCAA qualifier at Nebraska. Every West Point volunteer coach, Anthony Abinone. What's up, coach? Hey, guys. I'm happy to be on here. Exciting. Welcome to the show. It's nice to have coaches on. <laughs> hey, we're here to, to share what we know. <laughs> Yeah, catch us up. How are things going up at West Point with um, just everything? I mean, we had Coach Ward on a couple episodes, but um, how, how are, how's training going? Yeah, training's going well, but uh, I, I guess as you guys, you guys know, and as the country knows right now, it's a different year. You know, uh, a lot of stuff's up in the air, but you know what uh, West Point has been promising us, and you know our AD Mike Bud has been promising us is that you know we are going to have a season. It might not look like a regular season, like we're all used to. Yeah. As a coaching staff, you know, this is new for us as well. So we're all in this together with the guys. It's new for them. They're scared. You know, as a coaching staff, we're trying to ensure them that, you know, what's going to happen this year is going to happen, but it's going to be a season. That's not you're used to, but it's going to be a season. Are you, uh, has there any, been any kind of schedule put together yet or like a first event? I know that there was word about, you know, Army Air Force, Army Air Force weekend, obviously. Know all the the COVID stuff went down with Air Force and you know with the football shenanigans. Um, but you guys have like a first date projected of when when you're gonna compete. First date, I mean, we're trying to project maybe another date with Air Force, trying to get a tri dual meet in in early January. Everything's up in the air right now. You know, we have a couple of teams that you know we're talking to that we're trying to schedule some stuff with. But with with everything going on, like exactly we were supposed to wrestle Air Force, and you know just like that things change and you know that's why you know we're trying to make solid proof plans right now but you know next time it might not be us it might be the other team so right now we're just playing with what we got and you know hopefully when the new year comes when this year of 2020 is finally over you know we can finally just start you know working towards you know the future and you know getting these matches set up and you know getting these guys the season that they deserve yeah with uh with air force being like the the match being dropped uh, was there like a you guys get like a good amount of notice for that or like how did that how did that go down? No, oh, we the notice that we got was about a week's notice. You know, we thought I know we, I know with uh, the the prepsters wrestled um, the Air Force prep school. Um, you know that last Thursday. You know, uh, on them. Coach Smith. You know had it had on had had a bunch of viewers too. I think there was like hundred people that tuned in to watch the match live. So it was a pretty good turnout, I would think. I. I um, I don't know if we can take credit for that because we promoted it a little bit, but shout out, shout out to JT and his graphics skills. Hey. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I guess, and I, I have to keep telling myself this, you know, when I first found out that that duel was still going on, I keep forgetting that, you know, even though we're all within the same gates, you know, it's two separate entities, you know, they don't, they don't correspond with our athletic program. You know, they, they don't listen to what our AD has to say or what we do at West Point. What we do at West Point doesn't matter to what they do at the prep school. I mean, you both, you guys both know that much better than I do. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the whole thing since we're on the same gates, but you know, and I'm, I'm really happy they got to get that, you know, these prepsters, I think it's more important for them to get these matches in because, you know, they chose West Point, you know, and that it's their first prep year. They have a great coach down there and Tyler Smith who's one of my good friends I know the guy is doing a great job and he's got a great team, you know, to show that, you know, other, you know, prospects in the country. Now that, Hey, at the prep school, we have a dual meet. We have one of the first dual meets in the country. Right. Well, you know, a national collegiate one, but guess what? We had a dual meet. Who else did? 
So it's it's looking good. I'm happy that had to have that, that got to happen. I'm upset for our guys uh, down the hill, but you know, looking forward, you know, we're gonna try and do a couple more things. You know, maybe try to schedule like a mock duel with the prep team. You know, just to get our guys ready, give them some competition. You know, show the youngsters what's up and how we do it down the hill. Yeah, yeah they used to have that every year. Um, back when I was when I was a prepster, we came up when that was back when I was in, in at uh, Fort Monmouth. We came up and it was like. I want to say it was during the college season. It was probably like early or late, late November. We came up and had like a dual meet. It was basically like the, the use map starters versus the, um, the backups, like the second string. Um, it was pretty good. What? There's the split squad. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're looking to do like their starting lineup versus ours just to you know, get our guys something you know they'll probably have some other matches thrown in there but you know just we we want to give them that feel all right this is competition time you, know, you are training for something you know we can tell them that every day and we're going to make it happen we are but right now we just have to give them something to look forward to and something to you know believe in right now yeah well if we see anything with the football team it's that the uh athletic department and army is definitely committed to making competition happen and by any means possible, they will make it work. So excited to see what happens for sure. Well, getting into your story, Coach, uh, out of high school, state champ, New York, tough state, obviously, and uh, took a different route before you went D1, spent some time in Nassau. Talk through uh, just kind of what brought you there and uh, maybe why you took that path. So funny story. I mean, I know I sound pretty you know, articulate in my – vocabulary and the way I present myself, but um, um, I was not what you would call a traditional student, student athlete when I was in high school. Um, I wasn't dumb. I was just, um, what's the word? I think lazy in the classroom. I put all my effort into wrestling. I had a late start. Yeah. I started wrestling in uh, ninth grade. I grew up you know, doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing. That's what both my parents were doing. So when I got to high school, I was like, all right, I don't have many, many friends here. Let me try to join a sport. I weighed 95 pounds. They said, no football for you. I said, okay. So wrestling was a choice. Um, and uh, I devoted my, my entire high school career to it. And, you know, I, mean, I kept wanting to get better and better. And just, you know, as much help as I got wrestling-wise, no one informed me how important grades were. You know, no one informed me what the NCAA clearinghouse was. So – um, as much as I wouldn't change my route because it led to something great, but um, it wasn't my first choice. I was talking to D1 schools, and actually at one point I was actually probably going to go to Rutgers out of high school. And then they asked my, you know, NCAA clearinghouse number, and I looked at them like, what's that? <laughs> I think they hung up the phone. Then they didn't call me ever again. But um, so after I found out all that and I noticed I wasn't going D1, you know, lucky for me, uh, my club coach was Vogar Rujau. You know, Vito Rujau's dad, the guy was a three-time world champion, Olympic bronze medalist, you know, about four foot nine, filled with butt-kicking ability. Um, he was my club coach. And then he was also the assistant coach at Nassau Community College. So he, you know, he comes to my parents and his little Russian accent going, listen, you come Nassau, you win your All-American Junior College national title, you go D1, that's it. And he, that's what he, you know, he basically said, you come here, well, I'll let you go. You're going to go D1 after. So I listened. Um, and, you know, at first I thought I was going to redshirt that year, get adjusted to college, and then wrestle the next year because I had to spend two years there, 
JUCO, you have to graduate before you transfer. And uh, they weren't going to have that. They started me right away. And at that point, I mean, I haven't really seen JUCO lately, but at that point when I was in JUCO, JUCO was really tough. We had a lot of great kids that just didn't have the grades to go D1. So I think the kid that was ranked number one at my weight class, his name was Brandon Wright. He's the kid I was in the finals. He was like a four-time Indiana State champ, a three-time Fargo National champ, like a junior world team member. He was like a highly recruited athlete, but just didn't have the good grades. And he was supposed to walk through the tournament, and he mostly did. So that's what I was like comparing myself to. So I had an up and down year my first year there. Um, luckily ended high, but, you know, that, that was my route. I mean, I went to Juca because, you know, I was – Someone that I trusted said, hey, you come here, your future, you know, it'll help your future. So, and it worked. It worked for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but, you know, I took it with a stride and pushed through it. So the JUCO path, it's, it's kind of similar to going to the prep school, going to use maps um, in some ways. You know, do you have that conversation with, like, potential recruits um, coming in or, like, do you have a special bond? maybe with some of the prepsters, you know, when they're coming in because you had a, you know, a similar path in some ways. It's, it's funny you say that. I mean, I, I almost thought that once, but what steers me away really quickly is, all right, these kids are going to West Point. So their GPA is well above what mine was in high school. <laughs> so that kind of steers me away from it. But, um, you know, the only thing, the only difference is, you know, you take the JUCO route, you're in control of it. I mean, I mean, you're either going to succeed or you're not. You're either going to, you know, start your career, get at a new school, or you're going to be done. I've seen a bunch of kids that went JUCO who were amazing wrestlers in high school and then just burned themselves out. They're like, all right, they looked at it as a joke. They looked at it as, they called it 13th grade. And, um, you know, kid, the kids, they burn out there, and it's, it's rough sometimes. So with the prep school, I mean, these kids, are go, they're going to have the greatest, you know, redshirt year in the country you know, with their own coach, you know, with a bunch of other, you know, and they're, they're technically they are, but they're not their D1 already. Yeah. So and that's the biggest difference is, you know what, technically, even though they're not a D1 school, they're D1 because they're going to be D1 12 months from where they started mm-hmm. as long as they keep their grades in order. That's promised to them. You know, Juco, right, nothing's promised. Now, the only thing they'll promise you, they can't even promise you an associate's degree because <laughs> you can be like, hey, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to be a plumber. I want to trade school. Yep. So what was the transition like going to – and sorry, I know Jordan's got another question after this, but this just kind of came up. You know, you ended up in Nebraska. Um, did Nebraska talk to you in high school at all? Or was this like, hey, you won junior national – you know, you became a junior national champ. Now you're on everybody's radar. Yeah, so I won Juco's and like I was waiting. So I mean, I was shocked. I mean, I was not expecting – I remember my dad came to the Juco national tournament like, all right, top three, top four, let's get high podium, right? Let's, let's get there. And then, you know, when I won, um, I was static, of course. And, you know, I'm, I knew who Jordan Burroughs was. I mean, I had a, all I see is gold trade, of course. And we all had it back then, you know, uh, big fan of him, but I, I honestly didn't know much about the Nebraska program. I just knew they were good. And I knew Burroughs was there. And then my coach, Nevor came to me, he goes, hey, Nebraska wants you. I'm like, yeah, okay, no, seriously, where am I going? And honestly, I thought I was going to end up at Hofstra because they got to me before the JUCO national tournament. And they, you know, they were basically offering me, you know, like 80%, you know, I was like, oh, wow, this is, I can stay close to home. And, and then I remember I was at 
Beat the Streets. When it was 20, it was a 2012 Beat the Streets. And it was when I was outside, you know, when uh, Coleman Scott wrestled Sean Bunch to get oh, the Olympic yeah. team. So I was there. So if you look at somebody, I'm actually in the stands. I, was, I had the Beat the Streets shirt. And I was like one of the grunts walking around. The first match was Reese Humphreys versus Coleman Scott, winner versus Sean Bunch. So I'm recording it. After the match, my friends asked me, he goes, hey, this old guy wants to talk to you. And I see this guy just, you know, silver hair going, waving at me. First, my first reaction was, oh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> so I walk up, I'm like, hi, how you doing? He's like, hey, how you doing? Mark Manning, University of Nebraska. I paid Manning for less money. <laughs> and he just laughs. I was like, what? <laughs> he talked slower. I saw his shirt. And then, you know, he finally got to say that, hey, we saw you at the junior, you know, Juco Nationals. You know, we were recruiting the kid that you beat in the finals. You beat him. We like the way you wrestle. Let's talk. Talked. And then I, I thought, hey, you know, this is a Big Ten school. I looked at their roster. You know, the, the, the kids that were at my weight class were like, you know, three-time Minnesota State champions. And they were, you know, this, this kid was a far much champion. I'm like, I got one state title. So, like, do I really belong there? And that almost steered me away. You know, it was intimidating for me. Like, I think all I need is Hofstra. You know, I, I'd be you know, the guy there. You know, I'd, you know this is, I'd be close to home and I wouldn't, you know, I'd have a spot. Um, then I went out for a visit. I saw the team and I, I don't know. I, once I got out there and it was, you know, going from a kid from Long Island, New York to the cornfields in Nebraska, you know, you're either going to sink or swim. And I mean, I was flourishing there. I loved it. I loved the team. And I said, you know what, if I can't make myself a starter here, then I don't deserve to, you know, be a starter anywhere else. What's my goal? I want to be an All-American. If I can't, you know, do that there, then why, what's the point? If I can't be a starter there. I'm not going to ever be an All-American. So I made my choice and I ended up there. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, that, that transition was awesome. And I, and I do, and I owe it all to Juco. I mean, if I did have grades, at a high school, I would have been at, I, don't know, I mean, either a local Binghamton, you know, Hofstra, like the local, maybe maybe Rutgers, which, I mean, I, I mean hanging out with Jersey guys all day. I mean, I don't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> the whole New, New York, New Jersey thing, we know we, the reason we clash so much is because we're so alike. Yeah. And I hate to say it, and everyone hates to say it, but that's the truth. Yeah. So you mentioned going to Nebraska. Obviously, your goal going in was uh, to be an American. <laughs> You you finish out your career as a uh, you know two time round of twelve guy your junior and senior year. Um, I mean I was round of sixteen. I still think about that, so I can imagine that's difficult. Uh, probably even still, and you're more involved in the sport than I am, so it's probably more fresh and you revisit it more often. Um, does that drive you in your coaching? Like I hear a lot of people, is it a good uh, lesson that you get to talk to some of these other guys that go through the same experience? I know. We've had a couple guys in that round of 12 in the last couple of years. Just talk through that and, and where you're at with it. Yeah, so so the biggest thing, um, I guess, it, as of right now, yes, it's a, it's a driving tool. Now, my biggest thing is I know, and I'm coaching Ben Harvey in round of 12, his junior year, and seeing him lose me, and he, I, I knew that pain. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And that, that's my coaching point right now. I want to make sure that I can see what these guys are going through before it happens. Now, both my junior and senior year at the time, I made an excuse for myself. Looking at it now, my like, well, that was all me. I wasn't making excuses because I was looking for them. So my, my body was feeling it and honestly, I, it was my out. So that's what I tried to look for on these guys. My junior year was, oh, man, I was 
my body was fried. And I was work, we were working out a lot. My senior year was the weight cut. So I try to look for those little things, you know, or with mental problems. I try to look for those little things in our guys, you know, we get to a national tournament, you know, make sure they walk in there with no excuses in their heads. Because, you know, you take that aspect out where they have no pre-planned excuse, all right, they just made themselves, they gave them 10, 10% better chance of, you know, winning. So it definitely is a driving point. At the time, my senior year, I mean, it was one of the most crushing experiences of my life. I mean, it almost knocked me away from the sport of wrestling. After my senior year, and I, I can tell you right now, so I stepped on the wrestling mat my senior year, 2016 NCAAs. You know, I didn't want to wrestle anymore. I mean, I, after that, I, I graduated Nebraska. I, I never showed to a practice after that. I secluded myself. I know I just did my schoolwork. Went back home. Tried to become a school teacher. Quickly found out that I hated kids. <laughs> and then... I, you know, just by, you know, I, I just know, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, I went to go watch the Bill Farrell tournament because my uh, old training partner, Jason Chamberlain, you know, NCAA finalist for Boise State, he was at Nebraska while I was there as an RTC member. Just got a job at Fresno State. And he said, hey, uh, we're uh, starting an RTC. Do you want to wrestle again? I said, yep. Gave my two-week notice at my teaching job and drove to California. <laughs> and ever since then, you know, you know, you, you look at these experiences and they can be the most soul crushing experiences of your life where you're like, wow, I, this just ruined the sport for me. This just, you know, this ruined my life. Why, why did I wrestle? Why did I do that? And I look at it now, like, you know what? That was a moment in my life where, you know what? I grew the much, grew the most. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's going to hurt. I can look back at it and have my regrets, but what's that going to do for me? It's not going to help me. I can use that anger, use that frustration, use that pain to help my guys. And you're and just like you said, you no, know, just like you said, be real. I mean, I'm just I'm using that pain to help these guys. I'm not kind of just keep it in. Don't be selfish. Got to do something with it. <laughs> yeah. So you so, get out of Fresno State. What then gets you to Army? Talk us through that transition. Yeah. So um. Yeah, Fresno State. That was a. That, I mean, it was a just a great experience. You know, I, I left for Fresno State at the middle of March of 2017, and I competed a month later at the U.S. Open after being off the mat for almost a full year. That was fun. And again, what the worst part is about that? So I took a whole year off. I came back. U.S. Open. Guess when I lost? Round of 12. God. <laughs> I almost quit again. I was like, I hate my life. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I competed there, but it was a great experience. I mean, honestly, I grew my love for the sport. I made you know, great friends. Um, unfortunately, one of, the, one of the best friends I made there was this guy, Blaze Cavill. You know, I used to live with him and his, you know, his girlfriend. Um, me and him aren't friends anymore because um, he's now the new assistant coach at Navy. So uh, oh, That's right. Yeah, that's us. Nice. Listen, it's I, I just you know I, I lost a friend but I gained an enemy. There so, you go. We we <laughs> it off. But hey, other than that, you know, so I had to travel, got to go to Cuba, you know, you know, explore these new places, and then uh, I get a call from assistant coach Joe D'Angelo, who was actually on my junior college wrestling team. I don't know if you guys knew that. So Coach D'Angelo, who was here, me and him were actually at Nassau at the same time. Okay. So, Comes full circle. Comes full circle. So he was at Army for the year before. He gives me a call and says, you, you interested in a job? And, you know, the reason I got back into wrestling is because I my dream was to be an NCAA D1 coach. 
you know, I mean, I was, I wasn't wrestling again to, I wasn't, I'm going to be, I'm going to be champ. I'm going to be a world champ. I want to make myself relevant again. Why do I want to make myself relevant again? Because I wasn't relevant enough to leave. So, so I came back in and, you know, I got that first, you know, glimpse. I was, I wanted in. I was like, yes, sure. Yes. Let's, let's get me out there. Let me visit the team. And I knew coming to army before knowing anything. I was like, oh, well, I want to coach. Then I met Kevin. And then after I met Kevin, I was like, oh, wow. No, I, I really want to work for this team. This is a young guy who had basically the same career that I had. You know, we didn't have stellar careers. You know, both had great programs. I guess his is a little bit more historic, but I'm not going to tell him that to his face. <laughs> um, but all they, all, all they they with us too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't listen. Everyone, anyone could do this. We're all cowboys here, anyways. <laughs> um, but I see. All I saw Kevin was here's a, a young, a, 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 you know, a young guy who had the same career, basically the same, relatively the same career that I had. He's got a head coaching job. I want that. And how do you get something you want? You mentor. You shadow someone that has it. What are they doing? How did they get there? So I think that was probably the biggest thing. I mean, like I said, I wanted to get into coaching anyway, so I was probably going to take it. But that whole driving force was seeing this guy who was like, I can see a lot of myself in this person. You know, charismatic, you know, had the same everything. I was like, I want, I want that. I want that. Sign me up. And there wasn't even a hesitation. You know, after we talked, we, I was there for two days. He's like, hey, you know, if I were to offer you the job right now, what would you say? I was like, yes. What do I sign? Met some of the guys in the team, and that just made it easier. So, I mean, it was uh, like you said, it comes full circle, and I'm on my third year here. I mean, these guys are these guys are great. This team is great. So, we're doing something right here. So, I'm just I'm just hoping that I'm contributing to that something right that we're doing. <laughs> so, uh, so now that you've been there a few years, uh, you mentioned uh, like losing a friend, gaining an enemy over that squid character. Um, do you get super in Army Navy? You know, how is that, you know, how's that rivalry for you? I know for, you know, it, it's different between coaches. I just stole Jordan's question, by the way, because he stole my last one. Um, <laughs> but talk to us about what, what Army Navy means to you. So I guess I'll say where it started. And where it started for me was when I was on my interview and I saw what's it called, um, the banners that say B Navy. And I didn't know that there was a rivalry at all. I came into this job not knowing anything. So once I saw that, I'm like, hey, if you want this job, you're going to hate Navy. I said, okay. So right there, that, that, that's where <laughs> that the game started. I was like, how do, you, how do you feel about Navy? Those bastards, I don't like them at all. <laughs> I mentioned I hate swimming. I just started getting really into it. So I get, but now, I mean, now, now I mean, it's crazy. I, I never once. You know, before this job, I was like, oh, listen, Army, Navy, Air Forces, and all the Armed Forces guys, hey, they're going to be serving our country one day. Now I look at it like, hey, you know what those guys do? Oh, they suck. <laughs> yeah. If I see that coach in a bar, I'm gonna probably going to smack a drink out of his hand. Theoretically, of course. <laughs> it's funny because, like, there's a lot of, like, like uh, moms, like, around Army, Navy. Like, I grew up around, like, the Philadelphia area, so there's always, like, Army, and there's always the moms that are like, oh, yeah, well, like, it's a rivalry. You guys really like each other. It's like, nah, man, I fight every single one of them. No, yeah. our- <laughs> I thought that too. I thought it was gonna be like, oh yeah, it's rivalry. You know, like, oh, like other schools, I like, you know, they actually, they, they hate each other. Like, God, that, that, I, the, the look they gave each other's eyes. I'm like, 
like, oh my god, man, this is crazy. I thought we were at the fight. One of the one of the coaches at the uh, EIWAs in 2019. And the head coach was like coming out. So I was like, like someone hold me back. I'm hopping over the fence. I'm hitting him. Hitting him. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't do that, or else I probably would be on this podcast right now. We need to set up like a, uh, a like a pre uh, Army Navy duel with like a uh, you and uh, Colat doing a Greco match. I would love that. So I already have a win over them. So one of their old assistants, uh, Daniel Neff, is their assistant there last year. Uh, I wrestled him first round, uh, not first round, like first match of my senior year. He was a returning All American uh, at 149. He dropped down to 141, and apparently he was talking a bunch of crap to Flo, saying, you know, um, I. All-American in a man's weight class, and now I'm at 41. I'm going to show these little guys what's up. And uh, they said, oh, one of your first matches against Nebraska, averaging around the 12. He's like, oh, well, listen, he's a 41-pounder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you on that day. So I, I beat him up pretty bad. The dual meet, I beat him, like, I think, 10 to 2, 8 to 2. So I always say, hey, Kevin, nobody should do. Get a freestyle match with me and the other assistant just to show them how much better we are than them. You can wrestle that guy. Then now I don't know who else to wrestle, but I would love to wrestle Cole in the Greco match. Mm. Give me a freestyle too. I'll I'll, I'll hit him. I'll break his kneecaps. <laughs> Fair is not my option at that point. <laughs> Set it up. Well, other than breaking Colat's uh, knees, talk through some of your responsibilities as the volunteer assistant coach. Uh, you're going into your third season, and uh, outside wrestling, I mean, the volunteer assistant coach is kind of centric just to our sport so some people aren't maybe familiar with this especially some of the older listeners they don't really know what you do talk through what your responsibilities are so yeah like you said third year I mean my responsibilities have gone up more and more you know I so yes I'm a, the volunteer assistant technically that was usually meant for guys you know we're a practice partner we're I know, a technique coach we're on the mat all the time that's our job you know we're, we're there for the practices we're there for the individuals and that's true. I mean, I'm on the mat, was on the mat constantly. I mean, I was, you know, I would do three individuals a day, do one-on-ones. You know, I'd, I'd be wrestling at every single practice because I had to because I wanted to as well. I'm, I'm a hands-on coach. But uh, I always looked at myself as more. I mean, not only that, I wanted more. So, hey, how can I get more? You know, I have to you know, give myself more responsibilities. I have to ask. You know, if I want to be a you know, head assistant one day, you know, a full-time assistant, I have to be ready for those responsibilities. So especially leading into this year, you know, I worked really closely with, you know, associate head coach, you know, the, the recruiting wizard, as he was called, you know, Ned Shuck. And, uh, you know, he's been, I've been working right his, his desk, mine and working hand in hand. He's given me everything I can do. And within the NCAA, you know, guidelines and NCAA rules, I've been just doing much more than, you know, I feel like any other volunteer is doing right now because, you know, I want those responsibilities. I want to be ready for that next step whenever I have to take it. Yeah. You know, but again, in the interview, the coach says, hey, you know, what do you feel about, you know, this, this, and that? I'm like, well, I've done that 17 times yesterday. So like, I can do it right now if you want me to. So, I mean, it's been, it's been great, you know, with helping with recruiting, you know, with fundraising, you know, getting the team ready, you know, you know. And even doing like the, you know, what some people call the boring office work. You know, I enjoy that because, you know what, I know it's for something greater. I know it's for something better. So it's been uh, my responsibilities. I mean, it's not just wrestling anymore. You know, I'm helping with recruiting. I'm helping with, you know, setting up spreadsheets. I'm helping with, you know, setting up dual meets, even all the boring stuff. So it's been, uh, it's been great. It's been great. I love, you know, what I do. So um, just a little plug about the West Point Wrestling Club, too. What are your roles? Do you have any roles, in, you know, in the West Point Wrestling Club? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And then uh, 
the vision of it. I know a lot of our listeners, you know, donate, want to support the, want to support the club, want to support the program. You know, what's your role with the West Point Wrestling Club? So my, I get paid through the West Point Wrestling Club. I mean, they, they are my sole, you know, sponsor. So I mean, West Point basically has, I mean, I follow their guidelines, but at the end of the day, I mean, they don't pay me, you know, so I get all my, I all my payments through the West Point Wrestling Club. So I'm sponsored by them. So if that's, you know, without the West Point Wrestling Club, I don't have a job. Without West Point Wrestling Club, we don't have, you know, Anthony Abbott as a volunteer assistant. We also don't have Tyler Smith as the head prep school coach. Uh, so my role with them is, you know, with Todd Messick being the president there, you know, I'm also helping out with recruiting events, the whole golf outing. You know, me, Todd, and Tyler are working all hand-in-hand, hand, you know, setting up our RTC, you know, setting up our charters. But, you know, with uh, with that, I mean, the West Point Wrestling Club is important, especially to me because without it, you know, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, then I live, I live on the streets. If I live on the streets, then I don't know what else is going to happen. Just, <laughs> keeps jumping. It keeps getting worse. I don't want that. Then my dog has to be homeless. and He's too bougie for that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, keeping on track with the West Point Wrestling Club, just one more thing. Um, so, like, what are some of the goals towards it? Like, I know it's, it's obviously it pays for your salary and Tyler's salary, but there's a lot, you know, even the – the Navy Marine uh, RTC, they have some athletes, other, you know, there's some, you know, obviously the Navy Lion Wrestling Club, um, Cliff Keen, like has, you know, thriving resources for athletes and opportunities, you know, you know, where do we start? You know, what's the future of the West Point Wrestling Club when it, you know, are they looking for athletes, you know, and how can people that want to donate, you know, what, you know, what, what can they expect, you know, as some of the goals in the future? Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, uh, besides me and, and the other coach, you know, what it really does, it, it sets our guys up for, you know, after-season competition, the freestyle and Greco season. So as of right now, I mean, we aren't, you know, taking any new athletes in because we want to focus all those funds to our wrestlers first. You know, mm -hmm. our limited funds right now are to send, you know, 20 guys to the U.S. Open when, whenever it happens or, you know, 20 guys to the U23 Nationals, the Junior World Team Trials, you know, to get these guys exposure just in case they want to take that WCAP route in the future, you know, and to get that route, they have to place these terms, they have to perform. So that's what the West Point Wrestling Club is doing right now. It's making sure that these guys have the opportunity, you know, to have the opportunity to wrestle in these events, to have the opportunity to wrestle for the WCAP program. So it's actually very important because West Point won't pay for those outside events. We, those are all personally funded through the West Point Wrestling Club, through our donors. So it's, it's extremely important. And, um, Right now, I mean, the, the only other person pays for it besides our athletes was myself uh, a couple of weeks ago in Iowa. So I guess right now, I'm, me and Jeremiah Minote are these sole, you know, non-West Point athletes of the West Point Wrestling Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to here in a little bit. But just to put a nice bow on the West Point Wrestling Club discussion, because we really haven't got to hit on that on, on the show yet. For some of the older listeners, the, the RTC uh, model is really new in the last probably 10 to 12 years. And if you're not familiar with it, get on the website, check it out. Uh, like Coach said, it pays for his salary. It pays for the salary of the, uh, the USMAPS uh, head coach. And then I think it really boils down to the word you use, which is opportunity. It provides opportunity to our cadet athletes, whether it's them going to additional training events, uh, competitions, or it's bringing in training partners, right, where we can pay additional athletes to be, um, quote, unquote, stationed at West Point and train there full time. That is an additional training partner. 
that is for our guys to make them better. So it's important. It's uh, somewhat of a loophole uh, of how college uh, colleges are getting more opportunities to their athletes. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of room for growth in our, in our Westmore Wrestling Club. So if you're not donating already, donate. Uh, so you already mentioned that you qualified for the Olympic trials. Um, talk through, uh, through that. We talked a little bit of Greco breaking Colot's knees, but how did you move into, into Greco and, uh, what's the goal moving forward? So funny story. I mean, I, uh, I've always liked throwing, you know, and, uh, and at one point while I was at Nebraska, they talked about, you know, me maybe going to, like, to the OTC after college. So uh, Matt Lindland, who's the head uh, Greco coach at uh, the USA Wrestling right now, he actually went to Nebraska. So, like, there was a connection there. Um, I wanted no part of that. At that point, I thought Greco was boring. I was like, I, don't, I, like, I like shooting double A's. I like shooting single A's. I'm like, I want no part of that. So that was always my conception of Greco, perception of Greco. Moving forward to, I want to say, was, uh, September – September, October 2019, you know, John Anderson, you know, I just moved back to West Point. You know, that guy is just the definition of intense. One of my favorite guys. He's a great friend of mine now. And I remember he'd come to the room and he wrestled with the guys. He'd have the singlet on. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I like it. I remember we had one morning practice and him and this, you know, one other guy, you know, came in. And this guy's name was Jake Fisher. Apparently, they used to be rivals, and now they're training partners, two different weight classes. And, you know, John was like, hey, you know, want to wrestle with us? I'm like, you're about 200 pounds, filled with muscle. That guy's got long hair, looks like he knows how to do Greco. I am small, and I have no idea what's going on here. But okay, sure, I'll join in, whatever. That just shows, that, again, Juco, guys. They call it full circle. Yeah. That was my smart decision. We got a 200-pound muscle-bound Greco guy and another guy that's like, you know, was like a world team or Greco. I said, yeah, sure. I'll train Greco with you guys. Makes sense. I mean, you're the volunteer assistant. That's your, you have to wrestle at every practice. So every practice. Yeah. Every practice. Can't, no, no practice is off. It's great. <laughs> Makes sense. So I wrestled with them and um, John just being like the physical bully he is, he would just run at you. And there's a couple of times and I hope he doesn't, I hope he doesn't listen, I hope he doesn't listen to this because he'll come after me. But uh, no, I just feel like, Hip didn't throw him. So he was just running at me. I was like, oh, okay, I felt that. Um, Jake Fish was a different story. He was just really technical in Greco. And, but I got on top of him. Maybe I was able to, to get a turn. And I, apparently I had, I had a good gut wrench. Uh, they, they gave me the nickname the Sneaky Turk because, I mean, what most people don't know is I'm Turkish. That's where the last name comes from. So I started training with them. It was fun. I mean, honestly, the practices were fun. It was really laid back. It was, you know, it was technique driven, but we also, we also had the entertainment of John Anderson jogging for five minutes and then just putting his singlet straps on and, you know, just profusely sweating in two minutes, which made no sense. It was fun. We, we, me and my, I'd go in really early and me and him would drive to Connecticut and I know they were training for, you know, the, the 2019 senior nationals. So that was just an extra body. I was just a different feel. I was a guy that had no idea what Greco was, but I was going to, my hands locked, I'm trying to throw. That's all I knew. I had good throwing technique because, you know, Vogar taught me early, but I didn't know Greco. So I was training with them. They said, hey, you know, you should compete again. I said, definitely not. I'm never going to compete in Greco. Trust me. Then moving forward, you know, I mean, then Captain Simpson. Sorry, Major Simpson. Oh, God, I'll never get that right. He's amazing now. 
Will, I'm sorry if you listen to this. I'm so sorry. Slick Willie, he'll forgive you. I, I know. Listen, I, I don't know. He's kind of, you know, Will, he's kind of mean. <laughs> so um, he'd come in, we'd, all, he'd work out. So everything happens. Let me try to get canceled. Then, you know, summer ha- then summer's here and Johnny is about to leave. We get a couple more training sessions in. And then uh, I get back to work. This is how it's a funny story. I get back into work and, you know, we have our, you know, gear, like our NCAA gear, just sitting there in box, you know, to, you know, Barbarian Apparel. And the Barbarian Apparel guy was good friends with Coach Shuck. So he gave us, like, all, like, you know, West Point wrestling shirts and sweatpants, you know, nice gear. And at the bottom of it, of this box, I just see, like, these two bags. I take these bags out and there's a red and blue, like, you know, international singlets. Like, Ned, why'd you get singlets? He goes, I forgot about those. I turn them around, they say Abbott in the back of them. I'm like, whoa. And on the leg, there's a West Point Wrestling Club crest on it. And he's like, yeah, I had, you know, I asked the guy if he could make those because I thought you, you know, if I got them, you might compete, you know, at the last chance qualifiers. I was like, well, damn, I mean, I've seen the Nationals are in October. I guess I'm competing. And that was my push. I saw singles with my name on them. I said, all right, I guess I'll, I'll compete. Training didn't start there. I guess, you know, had a couple, you know, I just wrestled around still, you know, with some of the AIs because I couldn't wrestle with our guys. And then it wasn't until probably like three weeks until the event where I was like, okay, I really have to, number one, get my weight under control because I haven't made weight for the past two and a half years. That was just missing my mind. I wasn't wanted, wanted to think about getting back down to the 40s. And then um, also I didn't really train any Greco since the summer. So, you know, Biggest shout out I can give right now is to Major Simpson because, you know, Willie was, you know, he was the man that he came in. We worked out in the mornings. We got a bunch of training sessions in, you know, because he, you know, it was great because he was my size and the guy was so, you know, found foundationally grounded Greco. He knew Greco very well. And, you know, he was just, you know, he gave me what I needed. You know, even like in those short, you know, three to two, three weeks, you know, I, I didn't have expectations going in. And I think that's why I did so well. If anyone saw me that compete when I was in freestyle or in, College, I was the guy that had the headphones on, going, <laughs> shaking my head, you know, getting all serious. And I wouldn't want to joke around at the senior nationals. I was joking around with Troy Steiner, who was my Fresno State coach. He was my corner. I was just laughing, just, you know, messing around with the refs before the match. I was just cool and collective. And I found out that day that I guess Greco is kind of fun. I made a promise before that tournament that I'm like, hey, guys, if you're not a fan of Greco, watch my matches because. It's a throw or be thrown attitude. And on I shown that in matches that I won and lost. Well, it's the same guy twice. You know, that guy threw me. I was like, oh, this is Greco. Okay. Got it. That's an awesome story. It also proves that uh, the gear still wins the recruits. It <laughs> was, Come on now. That's it. The gear? Sign me up. And it was there. I was like, I, what, what am I going to do with these singlets? <laughs> hang him up. So my son, my, my future son, you know, I will have a son one day. No one's pregnant, just so everyone knows. Goes, oh, dad, what'd you do in these? Oh, somebody just gave them to me. So dad, it sounds like you're kind of a wimp and you didn't want to compete. Son, you're right. Well, I didn't want to have that conversation with my future hypothetical son. So that's what made me, you know, drove me. Exactly. It's funny. I don't know if uh, it's like this for anybody else. Maybe some listeners who maybe comment on the show, but like, our day is like a really crappy day at West Point, but it, when you like you got all, you got all your clothes. When you opened your like PT shirts that had your name on it, 
it felt kind of cool. Like it made the day, it, the day sucked, but it, it added a little, you know, little sunshine to the day. What do you think, JT? Did, did that impact you at all? I thought it didn't, it didn't impact me at all. But I was <laughs> saying that if you're wearing a PT shirt on Veterans Day at BW3s, there's a 100% chance that you were chaptered. It's B dubs, not BW3s. <laughs> and you were crying on, uh, on your R day, according to your dad. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> All right, back, back to topic now. So very happy that I have no idea. I mean, I have an idea, but I have no personal idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> you know, you should go through our day. You can make it through the whole part until you have to go to the barbershop if you don't want to cut your luscious locks just to see what it's like. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I could. I just, I got to check my schedule and, you know, the way <laughs> my bank account works is a checking and the savings. And then you guys know the whole thing, you know. And I, I got to walk, I got to watch my dog. I know she's right here. She's up. Well, they'll get you some gear. Maybe that'll change your name. <laughs> yeah, listen, exactly. You show me a shirt that says, you know, I always put his abdomen on. I'm like, all right, where am I running to? Let's start running. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Very easily persuaded. And uh, that, you know, showing me a lot of positive and also negative things in my life. Just, we won't get that far into it, but just know, you know, easily persuaded. <laughs> So we talked a little bit about in the beginning about how the, like the season's going, you know, like just, um, you know, maybe possible schedule ahead, but how, how's the team looking as far as guy, you know, is everybody healthy? You know, is everybody hungry? You know, what's the, what's the vibe with the team? No, the team dynamic surprised. I mean, to me, it's surprising because, you know, like, I don't know how I'd feel in their shoes, but it's, it's pretty good. You know, they come into the room, they're ready to scrap, they're ready to work, they're, they're hungry to learn. And you don't know, I mean, no serious injuries. I mean, these guys are—they're looking good. They look ready, and I'm—I'm excited for our first match because you know these guys are going to turn a lot of heads from 25 up. I mean, I, there, there's no holes that I see in our weight class in our, in our lineup. You know, and our guys you know from, you know, maybe a little bit of rust coming back in, but they've shown just complete, you know, determination to just rise above their stature, you know, and just prove that they're here. They're ready to go. There you are starting D1 material. And not only that, they're ready to be one of the top 10 teams in the country. So I see that. And you know what? It makes all this worth it. Because, you know, as a coach, you know, you, you, especially me, always wanted to be on the mat with them. And now I can't. takes away a little bit from my job. You know, it makes me feel a little part of me is not there. But seeing the way these guys are competing right now, it's, that, that fills that void. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not even just, like, the starting lineup. We have depth. You know, we our, our our second string guys can go, you know, do some damage nationally. You know, which we've shown in some weight classes, you know, the past two years. Yep. Now, yeah. so we are. I mean, it it's a team that's steadily on the rise in the right direction. You know, because the more we inform some of these kids, because listen, if someone told, if I knew what I knew now, and I put that, you know, into my, I'd have to go sixteen year old head because I want my grades to be better. It'd be a no brainer. It'd be West Point. If I knew what I knew now, then it'd be a no-brainer for me. And I know people think I'm using this as a sales pitch for West Point. But the life that these guys live, it's, it's so admirable. God, I can't – I would love that. And uh, seeing what these guys are doing now and competing hard. Now, our team is uh, – I'm excited. I'm excited our team is going in the right direction. And I guess the word definitely just excitement for these guys. They're going to turn some heads this year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting all pumped up over here. About to get a workout in. <laughs> <laughs> go for a run. So, so what, what's the uh, what's the biggest lesson you've now you're like this is your third year at West Point? What's the biggest lesson you've learned there 
um, coaching, you know, from maybe, you know, from the guys or maybe from Kevin, uh, the other coaches, Willie. Wow. Biggest lesson. You know what? I'll give you the first lesson. The first lesson I got. So it was, uh, I took the job and I, mean, I, mean, I came back and I was wrestling because I was, okay, I was supposed to compete in Canada that summer. But then I, you know, but I was wrestling. I, mean, I wrestled with Trey Shalafu, who uh, was like, who's the first guy I worked out with when I was at, when I was at West Point. And, um, and Kevin comes up to me and goes, hey, you know, he mentioned that I wrestled, you know, one of his guys at the NCAA tournament. I wrestled um, Logan Everett at the NCAAs my senior year. And he mentioned like one of the moves I was hitting on him. And he goes, all right, teach it to me. So I thought I was, and he goes, no, 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 actually teach it to me. And again, I was so confused. I'm like, this is how you do it. You pay attention, Kevin. Like, you're torturing me. Open, open your eyes. Didn't actually say that. But um, <laughs> what he explained to me was, listen, you have to, you know, when you're going forward, especially with your skill set, you have to explain moves like these kids have no idea what wrestling is. You have to break everything down step by step, give analogies, give certain viewpoints, and I think that was one of the best lessons I got because it was from that I derived how I teach my technique. And I have a lot of technique to teach. I love, I'm, I'm completely hands-on. I know, I know a lot of wrestling for these guys. And I just know that that was probably the best lesson I got was the first one. You know, how to coach. How do you coach? You know, it's not going to be the same for every guy. You know, you know that guy's going to learn best when you, know, you, you ease up when you go live. That guy's going to learn best when you, you beat the living crap out of him until he feels like a caged dog. And then when you let him loose on someone else, he's ra he's, he's rampant. So I think just hearing that and just seeing it and just believing it and just trusting it, I think that was probably the first and best lesson that I got through my, you know, entire, you know, three years here. That and also watching Ned Shuck always being the first and last person in the office. So me trying to duplicate that, me trying to do the whole, oh, wake up at 4, 30, 5 o'clock thing all the time. Tried that, didn't work out. But other than that, I got other stuff down that Ned does. But, yeah, I definitely have to say, you know, what, what Kevin said to me first was was the best lesson I got because it really you know, transpired to, you know, uh, make me who I am as a coach today. That's awesome. Well, I got one last question for you. It's, uh, it's something interesting that I've noticed a trend on the uh, Army Wrestling social media. When they put the little verbs out, they ask these guys questions. What's your, like, favorite TV show here? One of the ones is, which coach would you want to wrestle the most? And the consistent answer is you. Why is that? What? <laughs> I have no idea why that is because – Is target? What's, what's the deal? I wouldn't say that's – I wouldn't, well, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I'm the one wrestling the 25 pounders to the 97 pounders. We can get JT Brown out of here, who's our starting 97 pounder, who was an NCAA qualifier. And you ask him who has more takedowns in his career, me or him. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's, you said with some guys, you need to lighten it up when you go live. Maybe you're lighting it up on the wrong guy sometimes, and they're I'm just taking advantage of it. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> they don't know. They don't know the smoke you got. They they think you're go they're like oh this guy's going hard but you're just going you're just going you know you're not going full speed. No no not at all they they really have no idea. Oh, I mean some guys I do Marcus Hartman got the full experience of that last year when uh, we have something called Ned Flag Day which was a red flag day but we call it Ned Flag Day <laughs> inside joke it's kind of funny but uh, I said Hartman I'm going with you today you know Hartman you know come up comes off you know being a second in you know at Midlands you know he's feeling hot and. Uh, you know, no one's put no no one's pushing that much in the room. So I was like, all right, he needs a good fashion, good old fashioned beatdown. 
And Marcus Harmon, I think, threw up that practice, but he knew right away that, all right, this guy's got some smoke. <laughs> I don't know his consistent answer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, people, maybe these guys like getting beat up. I yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't wrestle Sullivan. He, I know he put my name down, which was really weird. Sullivan put my name down, and I don't touch him. Every time he puts his hands on me, I feel uncomfortable. I go, don't touch me. Don't, I don't like this. <laughs> big man. He's big. He's a, he's, I, I, I will, I will, I'll play around with Bobby. I'll play around with the other head But when Sullivan grabs me, I'm like, I feel like a little child. Don't just let go of me. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I need an adult. Don't touch me. Uh, well, it's been fun, man. You got anything else for us? Listen, man, this, this was great. You know, uh, love talking to you guys. You know, love to, you know, sharing some stuff. You know, keep doing this. I mean, I think it's great, you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, to really hear what Army West Point's about and just, you know, just change people's perspectives, you know, just especially mine. My biggest thing coming in is I thought these guys were going to be a bunch of robots. Yeah. Here's West Point, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you know what? I mean, what I try to get what you guys saw today was a little bit of personality, some laughs, a good time. That's the team. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this is a team of, you know, amazing individuals that, yeah, are going to be something great, do something great for this country, but, man, they're normal people and they're fun people. So, I mean, the more we can spread that, I think the more, you know, people understand what West Point actually is, the better. So, keep on with it, guys. As always, be hall Be hall Be Navy. Beat them. Hate squids. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on, Coach. No Thanks, problem, guys. Anytime. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as always, go Army, be Navy.